Hey girls and ghouls, welcome to Slashers Prefer Blondes, a podcast where three brunettes talk about the kinds of movies that bite, scream, and slash. I'm Natalie. I'm Heidi. And I'm Laura. And today we're stocking up on CO2 fire extinguishers as we creep and leap toward Irvin Yeworth's 1958 film, The Blob. Slides across the floor and on the walls and all of something. Done. I don't know the rest of the words. <laughs> I got Let that far. The blah, 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 blah. We've yet again chosen another movie where there is like a theme song. <laughs> okay, so before we even started watching this, I was like, I wonder why ne- why uh, Heidi chose the fifties version. Thirty well, seconds I in, I was like, I know exactly why Heidi chose this version of the film because it is a fucking bop look do you want to know a secret i'm gonna tell of you of course i actually forgot that that song existed oh my she god she just really likes this you? movie and then it's and then it started and i was like oh yeah i love this listeners if you have no intention of seeing this film at least listen to the song the blob by the five blobs like pause this episode go listen to the song it's like two minutes it's all about to come back. It's the boppiest of bops. It is the boppiest. Honestly, before the actual song lyrics begin in the beginning of the film, you kind of are like, am I watching the right movie? Because I was like, am I watching yeah. the right movie? <laughs> <laughs> That's true, though. It's so jaunty. That's so true. Like, when it started, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. They're singing about the blob. I am in the right place. <laughs> I did go to the right classroom for this Yeah, course. I am in the right classroom. Steve McQueen is here. Who is a Hoosier, by the way? That's like the only fact I know about him is he he's from Fun Indiana. Fun fact. Did you know that Steve McQueen is 28 years old in this film? Yes. I did. Did you know that he looks like he's in his late 30s? <laughs> he fully does look like he's 30 years old. Like I like I don't want to shame him, but he does not look like a teenager like at all. None of them do. The reason why I looked up how old he was was because I thought, okay, this young woman is obviously having to play second fiddle to this like old ass man. I googled it and I was like, oh, Stephen Queen's only 28 in this. And I was like, that's almost my age. And I was like, I don't look like that. And then I was like, (laughs) okay, let me Google how young this woman is. Because she's probably like, what, like 19? She's like only like three years younger than him. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he definitely looked older than he was. But even being 28 and playing a high schooler, like I, I'm 28, I could probably play a high schooler because I look very young. You do but look like, really young. <laughs> but like, but even still having a 28 year old play a 17 year old is like, come on. They're all they all look like they are much older. They're grown ass yeah, adults. Than even in their 20s. Like I looked up Tony. I think his name's Tony. Yeah, I looked up how old he was. He's like 25 when this movie came out. And I was like, you don't look 25, sir. Yeah, they definitely look like they're in their 30s. But maybe that's just, I don't know, maybe someone older would be like, yeah, they look like they're in their 20s. I don't know either. I think that, like, age is weird. Age is weird. Yeah. And whether or not someone shows it is also weird. Anyway. 
so the blob this week is Heidi's pick. Um, Heidi, do you want to walk us through why you chose this movie this time around? I'll give you one reason. <laughs> it was Beware not because of the. <laughs> Sorry. It was not because of the theme song, though. If I had remembered, it probably would have been. So, we haven't picked an older movie in a while, so I definitely wanted to pick that. And I've been on, like, an alien kick recently. Just, like, out of the blue. And so this was, like, perfect for scratching that itch. And it's only our second sci-fi. So I think it was, like, a fun, very different type of sci-fi horror. And honestly, whenever I think of, like, the perfect Halloween time, I always think about watching old black and white B-horror movies from the 50s, which is so weird because I don't actually do that that often. But, like, that's what I think about. <laughs> it definitely has that vibe. Like, I gotta say that before going into this, I was like, The Blob is probably the least intimidating horror film monster that I can think of. I don't because, know if that's true. But I don't, I don't know if that's true. true. I don't see after watching it, I'm like, eh, I don't. That was my maybe just like a knee jerk reaction. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. But the the initial thought was because you can just outrun it. Like... I understand that when it becomes large enough, that becomes harder yeah. and harder. But like, when it's a little glob, the glob, <laughs> if you will, it's, it's like, I, we'll get into it because the scene with the nurse is just bananas to me. But it's kind of like the gelatinous cube, right? Like, it just yeah. kind of dissolves everything that it touches, yeah. which is in itself scary. But like, in its initial stages as the mini blob or the baby blob, it's easily like outrunnable but you can't outrun curiosity i think that i i mean i think the blob is scary i think the idea of there being something that's that hard to kill is scary yeah the thing about this version of the blob that doesn't make it as scary to me as the remake is that it's not as bloody and i wanted it to be more gory i think that the movie necessarily cannot be as gory in order to supplant the narrative that it has like people aren't going to believe steve mcqueen if there's no blood at the crime scene you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but it is weird to me that this man was fully dissolved on this hospital bed and there's not even like a speck of goo on the hospital bed (laughs) and that the hospital bed is still there and it's like pristine yeah it's i mean he does only really eat like organic matter well you mentioned you mentioned it being hard to kill. So I, I wrote at the top of my notes, this episode is sponsored by CO2. CO2, <laughs> use it to freeze your local communists. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I fucking love it at the end. He's just screaming, CO2, CO2. I mean, I would be doing the exact same thing. I'd be like, could you hear me? Do you hear yeah. me? Yeah. I need CO2 please save my life. Please. I definitely really i think this movie is really fun like i do enjoy it it has that nice 1950s charm like what laura already alluded to it does have that really nice like sci-fi 50s communism like angle to it which i enjoy but i really do like that this also is the beginning of that kind of wave of films where it's like teens against the adults Mm -hmm. yeah it was actually one of the first films of its kind to have teenagers as the focus like all the other like creature features are like old white men scientists or government officials and it's like now there are these kids that's cool 
it feels to me like this movie is sort of like a spiritual, like a spiritual sequel to like that sort of energy that was put out in like Rebel Without a Cause. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You even get Steve McQueen doing that kind of like James Dean mm-hmm. vibe. Yeah, people on the internet refer to it as like the sci-fi Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. Which okay. is like essentially what it is. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I thought when I was watching it because between now and when we watched A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, I have watched Rebel Without a Cause. So <laughs> I and that's that's the vibe that I was getting from it the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like no one understands us, man. Yeah, like how are we gonna so make them understand? We have to do our own thing because we are not gonna be able to get any help. Yeah, Zuby's just charming, and it's also in the Criterion Collection. So that was one of the reasons that Natalie and I watched it the first time for one of our Halloween marathons. I was like, it can't be that bad if it's in the Criterion. It's in the Criterion Collection, and I was immediately entranced. I was so charmed Enamored. by it. She was- Fully enamored. Yeah. Yeah, this movie came out in 1958. Um, it was directed, like Laura said, by Irvin Yeworth, written by Theodore Simonson and Kay Lineker, who was a woman. Woo! We'd love to see it. Yeah. I definitely think that there is, for a creature feature from the 50s, there is a decent amount of character work in this movie. And I think yeah. that a lot of the reviews and writings about this film that I've read really sort of attribute that to Kay Lineker. So like, yeah, I love that. It's it kind of like, it's what they say too about Halloween. Like the reason why the original Halloween works so well is that John Carpenter worked with a woman to like get that script together and it shows. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to know a fun fact about this movie? Yeah. Yes, please. That I didn't know until like two days ago. So Nick and I were sitting down to watch the movie and to like prep and he'd never seen it before. And he, like, asked me a question and then started Googling something about the blog. And he was like, why is the first search result that I got back is the blog based on a true story? And I was like, what? (laughs) And it turns out that it is actually loosely inspired by an actual UFO incident that happened in Philadelphia in 1950. Okay, what what happened? I'm ready. Okay. I was prepared to tell you guys. I'm ready. I need to know. (laughs) Okay. Back in Philadelphia in 1950, there were two police officers who witnessed something fall from the sky and then discovered a mysterious glowing ooze that was hanging off of a telephone pole. And when they went to go look, the blob started to crawl around. Okay. So the cops were like... (laughs) Are you sure it wasn't just dripping? Nope. they, They said it started to crawl. Did it creep and or leap? (laughs) No. (laughs) But so the cops like started to chase it down because it was moving and they followed it into a field and one of them touched it and it was like a purple goo. And as soon as he touched it, it just fell apart and disappeared. That's cool. And what's wild about this, what's especially wild is that this is not the only claim of stuff like that happening. Like, the most recent one that at least the article that I read on Nerdist said was back in Scotland in 2009. And there's, like, an actual phenomenon, and they gave it a name, and it's Welsh for Rot of the Stars. Isn't that wild? That's pretty. That sounds pretty. Yeah, it, it's the real name is Pudra Sayer, Rot of the Stars. But, like, the poetry of Rot of the Stars. Yeah. So, they touched it, and then it literally disappeared Without a, without a trace. Exactly. 
They kept no specimen. No, but there have been tests done on some of it. And there's no, like, DNA associated with it. It's, it's very weird. And, like, scientists like to be like, oh, it's frog's eggs from birds eating them or whatever. But there's never been any frog's eggs found within any samples and no DNA of any kind. Hmm. But anyway, the film itself, like, is filmed in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Like, it's clearly, it clearly has to be inspired by this incident, even though everybody was like, well, I don't know about it back in the day. But, like, it has to be. Did you know that the title song for The Blob was written by Burt Bacharach? No. This is according to Wikipedia. It became a nationwide hit in the U.S., peaking at number 33 on the Billboard chart in November 9th, Mm -hmm. 1958. It was recorded by a studio group who adopted the name The Five Blobs. We love that. Yeah, no, Burt Bacharach wrote it. <laughs> who is that? He is a famous, like, kind of like a like a lounge pop, like, easy listening kind of guy. Mm. This this is the saddest, this is the saddest thing that I could possibly be saying right now. But the reason why <laughs> I don't know who Burt Bacharach is, is because in the first Austin Powers movie, He's there at the end of it, and he sings while Austin Powers is like trying to woo this woman. Like, <laughs> I fucking love Austin Powers. I don't remember that he like introduces him, and he's like singing, and they're on the like they're on like a bus. Listeners, please help me out here. He's famous. <laughs> His Wikipedia page is really long. He, <laughs> it's fine. I trust you. He sings "Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head." Oh, I know that song. Keep falling. We all do. Anyway. We should probably start the summary. (laughs) Our story begins with two teenagers, Steve, played by Steve McQueen, and Jane, and they're on Lover's Lane having a super awkward date when they are interrupted by something falling out of the sky with a loud whistle. Curious as ever, Steve convinces Jane to go with him to track down whatever the object could have been and they race off. In the woods, an old man discovers the impact site. A large crater with a small round sphere sitting in the middle of it. He pokes it with a stick and it slowly cracks open revealing a gray squishy center. As he continues to poke and prod and investigate, the thing wraps around the stick quickly. And then he like holds it up and it's like dangling from the stick and it looks like snot. It's really gross. Here's here's the thing. (laughs) Here's the thing. You see a rock that fell from the sky. And it starts to open on its own. Yeah. And then you poke it with a stick. Absolutely. Enough. You have to, he pokes it hard enough that it can climb onto the stick. Yeah. Why? Why? When children poke jellyfish. He is a grown adult man. He is a grown man. He looks like a version of David Lynch. Did you, did you get that? That's really funny. It's the hair. Yeah, yeah, it is. He walked out and was like, David Lynch is in this movie? And so he... (laughs) Here's the thing. (laughs) Do you think that James Gunn referenced this scene in Slither? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because I watched this and I was like, this is Slither. Yeah, no, Slither is directly intermixing with this kind of movie. Oh, yeah. The blog has far um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, all that jazz. Actually, I want to rewind to them making out on the car. It seems, it does seem very awkward. And I was kind of confused about like, he was talking about shooting stars. And then all of a sudden she's like, 
you've brought other people up here too, haven't you? And like, I'm not so special. I was like, I was genuinely kind of confused about why she jumped to that because I didn't see any indication that he was saying he had brought other people up there with him. I think that there's like context for him being like the bad boy of town, but we don't know that until way later. I I don't even know if it's that. I think that because everybody is keep talking. Everybody keeps telling us like constantly what a good kid he is. So I think it was more like he was talking to her and she felt like it was sounding like a line. Yeah. Yeah, I got that. I definitely think that Ornita Corsout, I think, is the name of the woman who plays Jane. I think that she does a really good job of being kind of like a a grounded and relatable character despite not really having a lot to do in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I would agree. And I think that this scene is actually a really good moment for her because she is very much so like, hey, don't fuck with me. Yeah, well, that that Mm -hmm. part where he calls her Janie baby and then she's like, my name is just Jane. Like, get it fucking straight. That was cool. But it's also in that way kind of setting up the the way the relationship, budding relationship is structured Mm -hmm. because, yeah, it's kind of like he is a take charge type of person and he's like instantly wanting to investigate and she's the fact that she corrects her name is kind of like, I'm not just going to be someone who tags along, but then she kind of does tag along. So it's like, I don't know. It kind of sets up a somewhat complicated dynamic between them, even though it ends up being a simple dynamic, if you know yeah. what I mean. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's the fifties. It's the fifties, man. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. I like, I like that. That's how we're opening the movie. Like we're mm-hmm. opening the movie in a way that kind of automatically puts these kids in the forefront as individuals. Mm-hmm. Jane is definitely like, hey, you know, I'm not going to let you fuck with me. And he is also very like, oh, hey, cool. Like, let's let's go do something. Like, they're making this active choice to go seek out the shooting yeah. star. Like, I think that that was, like, a good, a good move to, like, kind of get us ready to follow these two and, like, mm-hmm. at least get to know them a little bit better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely puts character work like at its forefront in a way that reminds me of Slither. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then going to David Lynch in the woods, I'm just going to call him David. The old man's name is Barney, apparently. Barney? Okay. Barney. They never say that, ever. No, they call him old man or old timer. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of ageism. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I was thinking too. Like, Which is a lot for me to say, consider how I've been talking about Stephen Queen. <laughs> I'm only going to refer to him as the old fan. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, I have no idea why his first, you know, why his intuition would be, let's poke let's it with poke a stick. It. That's let's my, that was my instinct. No, no, no. Hold up. Like, look at the crater it has left. That's a menacing crater. If you walked into the woods and you saw it sitting there, you wouldn't try to poke it with a stick. If I saw it open itself up like that, no, I would not. Okay, but you, wait, wait, if it wasn't opened, would you poke it with a stick? I might do the initial poke, but once it opened I and I saw the alien looking life form. Yeah, no more poking. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, me being me, I would probably call like someone else to come do it. Be like, who? who is like equipped to handle what is potentially in here? Probably not me, because I, I don't know. This is a high stress situation, potentially. I would so, poke like, it. I... I would probably get someone else to investigate it, to be completely honest. 
Yeah. I mean, to be fair, we are also coming at it with, like, different technology and stuff, too. Like, all of us would take yeah. pictures of it with our phones. Like, this is, it's the middle <laughs> of the night. He's an old, he's an old man. And. Who lives all alone. He just, but, like, the fact that he, like, digs in there and then lifts it up. Yeah, the second poke really is an excuse. The second poke doesn't make any sense. I also don't understand why he doesn't just drop the stick once it starts wrenching towards his hand. Yeah. It's too I know. quick. It, it leaps at him. He lets it get all the way down the stick before he tries to let go of it. It's, like, so annoying. I'm like, girl, you don't know what that is. That could be acid. <laughs> There's right. only one way to find out. This is this is the scientific method in action. I'm dead. I oh do God. really, like... I say this every time I watch a Blob movie. It's Because like, I say it when this one, I say it in the 80s one, and I said it the first time I watched this one, and I said it this time. I think it's really cool that the Blob is actually, like, translucent or clear but then becomes yeah. red because it's eating people. I think that that is great. That is it's really very cool. cool. I love that. I think that is such a fun idea and also really nasty. Yes. And I actually thought that the blob, the portrayal of the blob, like, I think they did a really good job. I, I kind of liked yeah. the, the gooey. I want to touch it. Yeah. I want to poke it, but you know, it's because I know that it's not real. Y'all literally were just giving him such a hard time about poking it. And then both of you just said, I want to touch it. I want to poke the thing that they used to play the blob. Yeah, I want to touch the slime. Yeah. I'm just saying. Anyway, yeah, he lets it get way too close to his hand. Yeah. Yeah. And it like, it like gets up his arm. And he's like, ah, my arm, it's burning. Which is weird. And then his, his dog is so cute. Yeah. After Jane and Steve search for the fallen object but can't find it, Steve agrees that he's going to take Jane back into town and he's going to apologize to her over a sandwich. But don't worry, it's his treat. Oh my I god. Mean, I love oh sandwiches. That, that's, a nice, that's a nice gesture right there. <laughs> I would take a free sandwich. Literally, he's like, I'll buy you a sandwich. Like, what? No. That's not how you make it up to me. Girl's gotta eat. I mean, maybe she's hungry. Yeah, uh, whatever. I also don't like sandwiches, so that especially was. I like also don't like sandwiches. Just... I love sandwiches. I'm I've never been a sandwich girl. Wow, I'll go for a good sandwich pretty much any time. So this apology would have worked on you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Side note: I did get a little nervous when I saw them driving without seatbelts because the fifties. <laughs> That's good. I that's know. good that you got nervous everybody wear their seat belts it, i was like it's really bumpy in there i don't know if the car has seat belts to be honest it probably didn't probably didn't and i realized it was the 50s but i was like those kids they better be safe when did seatbelts start happening i don't know see that's why i wasn't sure if the car had seat belts or not they didn't become mandatory until 68 yeah, so 10 years later. I was like, wow. there it's pretty bumpy ride. You don't know what kind of turns they're going to make be making late at night. Like, They're drag racing without seatbelts on. Those kids are in danger for more than one reason. They're drag racing backwards without seatbelts. Wear your seatbelts, people. They save lives. End of PSA. End of podcast. <laughs> That's it. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> As Steve and Jane are driving back, the old man with the blob on his arm runs into the road yelling that he needs a doctor. And, you know, and he's correct. 
Because they're nice kids. They're like, yeah, okay, get in the car. And he puts his jacket, he volunteers his jacket to put on his fucking messed up hand. And I'm like, it's dude. It's scary looking. That's a good looking jacket. Now you got it all over the glob. Now it's blobby. Now I would it's blobby. rather have that hand covered in my jacket than have to look at it. Yep. Although he shouldn't be looking at it anyway. He's driving. It looks like one of those, you know, those little like sticky hands. Yes. Yeah. That used to slap against the wall and then they get yeah. really dusty really quickly. Really That's gross. what his hand looks like. <laughs> He's got a slappy hand. Ew. Except it's a human <laughs> hand. So, I mean, I'd, I'd see that and be like, dude, that's got to come off. Like your hand. It can't though. It's now fused. Your hand has to it's come off. It's dissolving his arm. Well, I mean, that's what the doctor said. The doctor's like, yeah, we got to amputate. Yeah. Anyway. While on their way, Steve passes this red trek full of three T-Birds wannabes who are immediately insulted that he passes them for reasons far beyond my understanding. And Jane and Steve make it to Dr. Hallens just as the doc is getting ready to leave for his conference. The old man is still whimpering and whining since the blob is literally dissolving his arm before our eyes and growing while it does. Unsurprisingly... The good doctor is at a loss as to how to treat this and tasks Steve and Jane to return to where they found the man to see if there's anyone who might know who the old guy is or, you know, anyone who knows what happened. As Steve and Jane leave, the three tier birds are there when their leader, Tony, challenges him to a drag race to prove who has the better car, I guess. But Steve convinces them they should do it backwards. I think that the, I think that the teenagers were upset that Steve wanted to pass them on the road because they didn't yes. realize that he was, they were taking a sick person to the doctor. Yeah. So they took that as a front to their masculinity and they need to, you know, have it out in order to solve this. This is so dumb. What I do not understand is why Steven does not just tell them that they were taking someone to the doctor. That's literally where they walk out of. I know, but like he never <laughs> explains we passed you because we had somebody in our car that we had to take to the doctor. Well, if you talked about what was happening, then you wouldn't have the whole display, the unnecessary display of power and force. That ensues. Like, literally, he, he's like, okay, I guess I got a drag race then. I was like, how about you just fucking explain what you were doing? And they maybe probably they would have been be so like, pissed off. yeah, that's a nice story, Steve. We know well, what you're trying to do. Have and look at the fucking slap hand. Well. <laughs> dude, I swear to God, it's a fucking slap hand. You've got to go in there and see it. <laughs> Well, they had already taken his hubcap off, so like yeah, it's game one on. Of them. Someone something's gotta be done. Yeah. But anyway, Steve wins the drag race. Who's shocked? He also is the one that counts them down, so he gets a little bit of a head start anyway. Ironically, we've mentioned Greece twice so far, but ironically, this is the trailer for the movie that's playing at the drive in in Greece. Interesting. It, really, it is. It is. Oh my god, that's amazing. I didn't know that. That's such a fun fact. That makes me so happy. <laughs> I don't know why. It just does. I just really, I just really like Greece, so <laughs> you're valid. You're so valid. Okay. Anyway, Steve gets stopped by Lieutenant Dave, who's actually not the worst cop, and he lets Steve go after <laughs> Steve and Jane promise that they're done with the goofs for the night and will be safe drivers again. It was so strange to watch two grown men and have one act like he's like a sorry little kid and one be yeah. the dad because i'm like you're literally probably almost the same age here's here's the uh, okay so at this point i still was like okay what age is steve mcqueen's character <laughs> supposed to be 
So I'm like, I'm watching this movie because if you watch the opening credits to the movie, which I did, you'll see that the T-Bird gang, as we're so affectionately calling them, are credited yes. as the teenagers. The teenagers. Yes. So yeah. I assumed that that meant that Jane and Steve were not teenagers. <laughs> and that made sense to me. But then this scene happens. He's like, oh, don't call my folks. And I'm like, you're yeah. in your 30s. Why can't you? <laughs> Why are you worried about them calling your father? <laughs> Let's not get fathers involved. And he's like, like I said, he's doing that like James Dean thing that he does in the beginning of River Without a Cause. And I'm just like, this is a grown ass man. This is like an adult man. It looks like he's driving his daughter to work. And like. <laughs> it's yeah. Same. I just don't, I just do not get how, like, why didn't they just age up the character? Like, I just don't understand that. Because they had to be about teenagers. I get that. And I like that it's about teenagers. I said that at the beginning. But, like, I I just don't understand. He just does not look like a teenager. You're correct. (laughs) This scene is so uncomfortable. None of them do. (laughs) But in one of the wildest turns of events in this whole movie... Tony and the T-Birds are waiting for Steve, and now they're, like, best friends. I actually love that. That is, that's teenagers in a nutshell. It's because he blew them a kiss after he won. I loved that. Where he's like, ha, ha, ha. They're like, let me be a total dick to you, and then be like, hey, you want to hang out? Like, that's, that's teens. (laughs) Because they all hate the cops. That is their connection. (laughs) They're like, oh, what cop did you get? Did you get Birdie? He's the worst. Yeah. It's like, oh, God. They're like, cool, he he covered for us with the cops. So we're besties again. <laughs> That's chill, we can hang out and talk about our cop stories. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I love how they're total ACAB. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, everyone in this. Everyone well, else. except Dave. Well, they're like, Dave is fine. fine. They like yeah. Dave, though. They're like, man, we give Dave too, too hard of a time. <laughs> yeah. But the T-Bird wannabes agree to go investigate the crash site with Steve and Jane before they dip to go see a spooky show at the movies. It's a midnight spook vid. <laughs> I think they say spook show. There's, there's a spook show. He says spook show once and spook vid another time. Nice. Together, they all do discover the remains of whatever casing the blob was in and find that it's still surprisingly warm. Well, is that surprising it came from the sky? I don't know. I don't know how long it's been. I don't. I don't know how temperature from meteors works. Well, it has to be like inc- it caught fire going through our atmosphere. I like how they said it was like hot rotting around the the atmosphere. Yes, or something. you mean this little pebble has been out here hot rotting around the universe? It's a real piece of sky. <laughs> you guys, this is one of the reasons that I love this movie, though, because you get incredible dialogue like that. Literally. <laughs> I literally, the first time I watched this, I lost my mind at this scene. Like, yes. that kid picks it up is like, wow, a real piece of sky. And then the other kid is like, you mean this little pebble has been out there hot rodding around the universe? I'm like, this sounds like somebody's doing a bit. Like, it doesn't sound like real dialogue. But it's not a bit. It's so <sighs> good. A real piece of sky. That's also the reason why I was inclined to like the vast of night on Amazon Prime that also takes place back in like the fifties or whatever, because the dialogue is just—it's just this way, and it just is so fun. I don't understand. They're okay. They all saw this man's hand. Well, not they all, but Steve and Jane saw this man's hand. Yeah. And Steve is out here picking up this rock, smelling <laughs> yeah. the rock, smelling yeah. it. I'm like, what is the reason? They're getting to the bottom of it. They got to figure it out. 
As we mentioned the scientific method before, sometimes that involves smelling shit. And poking it with sticks. The nose knows. The only intelligent person in this entire movie is the doctor who somehow figured out exactly what this thing is so quickly without touching it. He didn't, though. He, d- he really didn't. No, like he was like, hey, he's like, hey, there's a it's a parasite. It's growing on. It's like on this guy's arm. It's consuming its flesh. Like he figured out all of those. He's like, you can't well, touch it because it eats organic matter. He did all of that so quickly. Well, he is a doctor. He's a doctor. I know. But like, how could you know that by just looking at it? The kids could have figured that out if they sat down for five minutes and thought it through. But instead They're they were like- drag racing. Yeah. He was like out here, he figured out all this stuff about the thing. And he was like, okay, this is what we have to do. We have to like, we have to get the arm cut off. Like he knew exactly what was well, supposed to be Well, he was too smart. So that's why he had to go. Yeah. Spoiler alert. He had to go. He knew too much. Well, I mean, I think yeah. it's obvious that he had to go. He's alone with the blob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, they, uh, the teenagers find the old man's cabin, and they find his cute little dog, but they don't find anybody else there, so everybody's like, okay, peace out. This Let's was go a fun see time. a horror film. <laughs> Why yeah. don't you come with us to the spooky show? Oh, you gotta yeah. stop taking everything so serious-like. <laughs> yeah, I like how they were getting down on him, like, you just touched this rock from outer space. You need to be more, like, you need to be more interesting. You need to be more interesting. You're so boring. You need you need to be more interesting. <laughs> it's because you're hanging out with this woman. She's making you dull. Oh. I don't think anybody said that. No, but that's the implication. Like, oh, well, you'd rather go spend hang the out evening. The show. You'd yeah, rather go. All... Excuse me, but I have to say this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ready. <laughs> you would rather go eat a sandwich with this girl than go to the spook show. With your boys. But they are I'm going sorry. there to well, hook up with girls. Are they though? Yeah, he, they say defenseless blondes or something like that. Yeah, yeah they that's they all cover. have women when they go there. Not I all know. of them. Oh, sorry. Two of I'm them just have being, women. I'm just being yeah. contradictory. But, <laughs> yeah. but that is the implication that I got. Like, why are you going to eat a fucking sandwich with this girl? Come hang out with your boys. I thought it was clear that they were going to go back to the doctor because that's what they were out there doing. Yeah, I mean, they were, but they were trying to convince. Well, I guess. I don't know. I just definitely got some hate against the sandwich vibes. So <laughs> I have to protect what is holy. There was some anti-sandwich rhetoric happening and he needed to shut that down. Thank you for fighting that good fight. You're welcome. It's tough, but it's fulfilling. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the doctor's, some stuff's going down. <laughs> yeah. Back at the doctor's office, things are heating up. The blob has continued to grow in size and completely devours the old man. After attempting to kill it with Leaving acid, absolutely no trace. That's important. No it leaves trace. nothing. Nothing. There's nothing there. Dr. Howland and this nurse attempt to kill it with acid, and then Dr. Howland, like, shoots it with some gunshots, but obviously oh that's God. not going to do anything. Oh my We're fuck. freezing by all this way too quickly. Okay. Okay. First of all, <laughs> first of all, the first thing he says to this poor nurse is stay still. Don't move. Why the fuck would you say that to her? Why? When it is clearly not a fast creature. You could easily step out of the room, out of the house, and walk away and come back to try to track it somewhere. To be fair, they don't know how fast the blob moves. I did think of that. I did think of that, but... 
What if it has T-Rex senses? It only senses you when you move. I mean, I guess so. I'm coming at this with knowledge, with the, what do they call that? Non-diet, what's that? (laughs) Non-diegetic. Yeah, knowledge. I'm coming at this with outside knowledge. But like, I was like, why would he tell her not to move? What I would like to know is how does the blob sense where you are? How does it know? That's the scary part about it. That is interesting. Maybe it uses the eyes of its previous victim. Well, they're liquefied now. Maybe they're not. Well, it didn't have eyes in the beginning. Maybe it's like, maybe there's like a nucleus, like a cell has. Yeah. yeah. And there are things in the nucleus that the, yeah, direct its movement. Yeah, the way that you defeat the blob is that you have, it is, shooting actually does work, but you have to shoot the mitochondria. <laughs> and it can't make any energy. Yeah, because that's the powerhouse. <laughs> you gotta aim what for I the mitochondria. Love. I think that him being like, hey, grab that acid and throw the acid at the blob. I think that's smart. That is it smart. It was smart. And then the acid doesn't work. So tell me why, when the literal acid doesn't work, he's like, let me go get my gun. A true American. What makes you think that a gun is going to work when acid didn't work? I also, like, really just love the shots of it just vibing on the ground. I know. (laughs) It's just like, yeah. It's just like, it's just like kind of wobbling. Just like there on the ground. Looks like this big, like, raspberry jelly ball. I know. Yeah, that's why I want to touch it. It looks so fun. It looks like slime. It does. Slime time. Slime time. But yeah, I was like, as soon as he grabbed his gun, I lost it. I was like, Mm -hmm. he's like, you know what we need? A gun. He's like, let me go grab my gun. And I was like, but why? (laughs) Exactly. And I love how it kind of, you kind of see like the impact that it makes. I don't know how they, they did that effect, but it was actually kind of cool. Now it just kind of absorbs it. It's like, fuck no, Mm -hmm. your bullets have no effect on me. Yeah. And why would you think that any, I mean, I guess it's pretty much all he could think to do but like it's an alien life form you have no idea like a gun's probably not gonna do i don't know it's just funny and like i guess like somebody had to try it but like yeah after acid we're gonna try gun like i I was shook by that i was like that's just too much for me that's too funny now you just created an acidic blob (laughs) thank you (laughs) this this poor woman is like freaking out she's like screaming (laughs) Yeah, this is a truly wild sequence. Yeah. (laughs) But the blob eats her. Yeah. Just like, gone. She's gone. I mean, I'm understanding, I understand a bit more now why he would say, don't move. Because it could have been, I guess he didn't know if it was fast or slow. Dude, Laura just went through an entire hero's journey about this. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like having seen the rate of consumption of the man's arm. Mm Mm-hmm. He would have been like, oh, well, it doesn't work that fast. But, it but does. then his whole body did disappear. I don't know. It's a strange situation. It's beyond yeah. comprehension. That's why I think that it would just make a little more sense if there was like blood or something on the table, on the, on the cloth. Yeah. But that's the scariest part about the blob is that we don't know anything about it. Yeah. That's what makes it more effective than the remake, which tries to explain it. Sorry. No. I... I fully will stand by <laughs> the fact that the remake is better. The special effects are fucking bomb. They are so cool. It is genuinely so neat. And then like you get like more there's more there's more fear. You know what I mean? There's a lot of exposition in this movie and I don't what I don't care about the exposition. She just wants to see the blobby children. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I will go on the record 
I will go on the record saying that I hate the little boy in this movie. And if he died, oh, okay. I would okay. the movie Okay. As soon as I saw him on the screen, I was like, stop. Pause the movie. I turned to Kyle. I was like, Natalie is going to hate this kid. What's yep. funny is I also paused the movie when I saw the kid. It was because I took that picture of the bear. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she if she thought Candy from The Brood was bad, this kid looks makes Candy look like fucking Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. I, okay, first of all, that was hilarious. <laughs> Second of all, I will say this. I've said this a million times and it's always correct. If I am watching a movie and I don't hate the kid in it, that movie is an A-plus movie. Because, like, literally, yeah. it is so easy to make me hate a, hate a child in a film. Like, <laughs> she got to clarify that? <laughs> but kids in real life, whatever. But, like, in a movie, if I'm watching a movie and I don't like the kid in that movie, that movie will lose an entire star value for me. Like, I cannot rewatch The Babadook because that kid makes me want to kill oh, myself. I know. What yeah. What is it? Like, would you say, what about The Sixth Sense? Would that be an example of a movie where the kid did a great job and made you like Quality the movie film. more? I will say that the kid did a great job in the movie, but I also had a really big crush on Haley Joel Osment when I was like seven. Yeah. So I don't think that that counts. Okay. <laughs> I would say that, what's a movie where there's a good child actor in it? The Innocence. Signs. The Innocence. I think the kids are really good in The Innocence. Yeah. I would think that's the perfect movie. That kid is fucking creepy as hell. It does an excellent yeah. job. Mm-hmm. I would also say the uh, the new It movie, all the kids in that did good. Amazing. Yeah, those are both really good examples. It's like, I also like, I also enjoyed Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. That was about children. I'm sure there are other other movies that have good children in it, but I can't think of them right now. But I hate kids in movies. Full stop. <laughs> Full stop. I'm sorry if I offended anybody with my my hatred of child actors, but I feel like it would be hard to argue that these kids are good actors. Yeah, I'm not like anti-child. Yeah, like I'm not one of those people. But like, oh, also the kids in The Conjuring. Oh yeah, great films. Yeah, they're all great. Also in the Exorcist TV series, plug for that. We love that. I I love that show. Anyway, okay, sorry. We're I'm I've I've officially took a tangent too far. But I want to say for the record that I don't hate children in real life. I'm not one of those people. I think kids are cool and they are just doing their own thing, trying to live. Right. In movies and TV shows, I think the standard needs to be higher. <laughs> Scott Derrickson said at the screening of Sinister that I was at, he was like, I can't hire a child actor if they're not good at like copying me because eventually you're going to get to a scene where they just can't do the emotions like they just can't get there so i just need them to like mimic what i do so i can get what i need out of them so i thought that's that fair. Was interesting mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah anyway so the nurse is dead that's where we left off just as steve tries to find a way into the doc's office and to see if he's still there since the power's gone out he sees the doc get completely absorbed by the blob in the window and is shook up at the gross display he's like it's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't know why I went Southern there. That was really funny. I have to say that like, that would be a lot of, that would be a lot to witness. Like, yeah, <laughs> I would not enjoy seeing that happen in real life. Like, slap hands all grown up. No. <laughs> slap boy now. Slap hand is now slap man. I hate, I hate this. 
Steve and Jane decide that they need to go tell the police. And so the police are like, okay, let's go investigate. And they're looking around the interior of the office. And aside from the clear signs of a scuffle where Steve saw the doc get eaten, there's nothing. No bodies and certainly no monster. Sergeant Burt, who hates kids since one killed his wife in a car accident, quickly Which, concludes- I'm sorry, but like also wild thing to just throw in there. Yeah. <laughs> he says something like, just because a kid hit your wife at a turnpike or something, or got your wife at a turnpike, doesn't mean that all 17-year-olds are criminals. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. You're just going to drop that on us? Like, holy God. That was a lot. <laughs> Literally, I, I, when Detective Dave or whatever says that, I literally stopped it and rewound it. And I was like, wait a minute. Did he say just, did he just say that somebody killed this man's wife? <laughs> yeah. It just, it's really just thrown in there. I like, but that's one of the things that I like appreciate about this movie is that it's just like, these are people who have stories. And like, you know what? Hey, I would rather them throw it in than not, not say anything at all. You know what I mean? And he's just a dick to kids. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, hey, at least they gave us a reason. Also, the mm. random detail of the other cop who likes to play chess. Like, that served no purpose. I love There's that, There's a too. lot of weird moments in this. Like, the guy... Oh, my the God. The guy with the fireman hat. That's my favorite scene of the film. I, I kid you not. My favorite scene. I lost it. We'll get there. We'll get there. I don't, I don't actually mention it because it was nothing oh, okay, to the well, story. But Trust me, I will mention it when it comes okay. to Trust me, I will mention it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so Sergeant Burt quickly concludes that Steve and Jane must just be playing a prank on the cops to make them look dumb while the doctor's out at a conference. Lieutenant Dave decides that they'll try to call the hotel where the doc is staying in a couple of hours to get to the bottom of this, and they bring Steve and Jane into the station where they call their parents, who vouch for the kids, good parenting, but insist that they'll be stuck at home for the rest of the night. Of course, they sneak out and Jane has to talk Steve out of giving up on finding this monster. And he's like, well, you know, people who see UFOs, it could just be a trick of the light. Bullshit, first of all. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> hey, uh, some of them had to have been tricks of the light. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not all of them are actual UFOs. Okay, that's valid. Some people do report the moon as a UFO. So there's some dummies out there. I actually kind of like, it's kind of funny slash kind of sad that Steve is having like an existential like a mini existential crisis right yeah. here he's like what if I'm going crazy like I know did I even see what I thought I saw and I'm like whoa this is kind of taking a serious turn right here and she's like yeah I believe you because it's you I'm like oh come on so come much. on it's you Steve <laughs> honestly though she gives a great pep talk she oh she does. does she does it's still ridiculous though I mean you're, you're right <laughs> But she also does suggest, like, hey, let's go team up with our new BFFs, the T-Birds, who went to the movies. And mm -hmm. after, like, only a little bit of convincing, they're all, like, down. And they're like, okay, yeah, let's split <laughs> up and let's find some evidence. Honestly, get you some friends like that. Like, I know! <laughs> yeah. Yo, this monster's attacking the town. Okay, what do we do? Yeah, it's like, alright, how can we help? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I did also kind of like the the scene, kind of going back, where they're in, they're looking into the doc's office and like seeing everything torn up and yeah. the cops initially like immediately think it's a prank or some sort mm -hmm. of vandalism so like yeah you get definitely get the stark contrast between the cops and the kids and the cops yeah. are very much like seeing is believing so they won't believe a story because they don't see any of the yeah. like evidence of it and the monster itself so i was like oh okay this is very much like yeah 
you know, we're not going to believe you because we don't want to take your word as teenagers. Yeah. So I thought that was It's cool. very like that. And they also have, there's that lady that comes in that I didn't talk about. <laughs> yeah. Who's like, oh, he asked me to watch the shop and oh boy, this is quite a mess. And he's going to a conference, <laughs> which yeah. just nail in the coffin for Sergeant Burt. He's like, dumb kids. Mm-hmm. I like that they took the time to really set up the going out of the conference thing. Like, they had the doctor call the woman and everything. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, it does pay off. And it, I do appreciate that this movie tries very hard to make everything as believable as possible considering mm-hmm. the circumstances. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. they really do are like, hey, it makes sense that the cops aren't trusting these kids. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? I appreciate that because not every mm-hmm. movie like this does that. Yeah. Right. Uh, 100% agree. The blob has been getting busy, though. He's eating a mechanic. Oh, I guess I shouldn't gender. It's been eating a mechanic at the car <laughs> shop. And uh, Sergeant Burt tells Dave that there's been some other weird happenings around the town. Like, people are just, like, disappearing. And now it's made its way into a general store that is usually open late, but is seemingly abandoned. And Steve's like, that's weird. Better go investigate. And as they do... Jane gets her first glimpse of the blob, which causes her to promptly pass out. And Steve, like, picks her up and carries her through the store into the kitchen and eventually into the meat freezer. And the blob continues to come after them. It even tries to creep into the freezer, like, oozing through the cracks in the doorframe. It's so good. And then it stops, seemingly distracted by hearing the old man's dog bark and is like, that's an easier meal. So it leaves. They really wanted us to be afraid for that dog. And you know what? They were successful. <laughs> they were. I, I was like, please don't eat the dog. Like, I would be upset if the dog was eaten. It fully, like, you hear barking, then it just stops. And you're like, oh my god. Yeah, we're not ready to start killing animals until we hit the 60s. Like, that's when things start getting really off the rails. <laughs> like, <laughs> And Jane's whole job in this movie is to be worried about the dog. And you know what? Like, Relatable. Exactly! <laughs> Like, she's like, hey, the one thing that I'm going to do is pep talk you, but then also be concerned about this animal because, like, no one else is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially because the old man's dead now, so somebody has to look out for it. So they make their way out front, and the other teens show up, and they haven't had any luck finding any evidence, but they did see the dog running down the street, so it wasn't eaten. Hooray! Yes! Wait. Oh my god, we totally skipped the scene where she's talking to her little brother. Oh, oh yeah, God. of course okay. I skipped that. I mean, okay, so there's this scene where Jane is talking to her younger brother and he has what I think is the scariest teddy bear known ever to mankind. <laughs> <laughs> its eyes are too far apart. Like, I think that's the issue with it. Its eyes are on the sides of its faces, like where its cheeks would be. Yeah, it's like a flounder. <laughs> yeah, and I... So before we started recording... Natalie informed us of this, the horrific nature of this teddy bear. And I, I had not even noticed. I was too distracted by how awful the kid's acting was that I did not even look so at the bad. teddy bear. And then when she sent the picture, I was like, holy it God. Just, like, it doesn't look like a bear. Like, I, I, trust me, trust me, listeners. I will post a picture of it on our social yes. after this episode is up. But like, I, it just doesn't look like a, it's so scary. <laughs> It's like, it's so weird. This kid is just holding it like there's nothing wrong with it. And I'm like, there's everything wrong with it. But yeah, the eyes are the the worst part. Yeah, the eyes are literally like below where the cheekbones are. And they're way too far apart. And then the mouth is weird too. 
Okay. I'm sorry. But like, I just had to, we, we needed to mention it because like, it's like, you know, how sometimes you have the brand name cereal, like mm-hmm. Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, but then you can also get the off brand version, which is like sugar flakes or something. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like the Build-A-Bear versus a teddy bear that you get at a garage sale or something. Nothing against garage sale teddy bears. I grew up on garage sale goods and fines. But like, it's like someone tried to make the Build-A-Bear version themselves mm-hmm. and it it just, it went terribly wrong. Like, how hard is it to just get a normal teddy bear? Maybe in the 50s it was really hard. Like, why didn't somebody just ask a kid they know to borrow their bear for the movie? Maybe they did and that's the bear. If that's the case, then somebody needs to get that child professional help. Well, what was the budget for this movie? Maybe the teddy bear was just over the budget. It was $110,000. I thought you were going to say $100. <laughs> it was $110,000. It made $4 million. Yeah. Another fun fact that it was originally like a part of a double feature at a drive-in and it was the the second billing, so not like the main event, and then it was mm-hmm. making so much money that they switched it. Oh, that's, oh, that's fun. Yeah, I did read that it was made to be like a B-horror film. Oh, yeah, and it succeeds. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, that's the the Atomic Age horror movies are mostly B-science fiction movies. Mm-hmm. Huge fan. Anyway, can we move on? <laughs> oh, oh, I also <laughs> want to point out how his parents, like, she's supposed to be sneaking out, and her parents are asleep, and he comes out here yelling, like, what oh, are you doing? And she's like, you gotta be quiet. And he's like, okay. He like still continues to scream. I'm like, why is this kid so loud? Literally this fucking kid. <laughs> I think we've said, yeah, we've said, we've aired our grievances regarding the kid. This is the worst. Thank you, Natalie, for taking us on this journey. <laughs> Did you guys know that the, the star jelly stuff that Heidi mentioned at the top of this episode is called in parts of Mexico, Caca de Luna, which means moon's feces. I love that. <laughs> I love that too. Interesting. I'm Look, looking up stuff about thing. it right now. And it's so, it's so gross. People like really don't know what it is. Like, <laughs> Exactly. That's what makes it so cool. No, like it could be anything. Like it could be something that comes from like the world or it could not. Like who knows? Like, <laughs> yeah, nobody knows. Love it. Huge fan. Space is cool. So they decide that they're going to try to go to the police again. And they get a hold of Sergeant Burt, who instantly is like, is every kid in this town in on this prank? And essentially tells them to, like, piss off. And so they're like, guess we got to do this ourselves. And they all try to rally the town. They get in their cars and just honk them endlessly. And it's the worst. (laughs) I would be so mad. And they also go around, like, banging on doors and... It understandably does draw a crowd. And Bert's like, I'm going to arrest these kids. But Dave comes through and he's like, nah, I believe Steve. And then he's like, go home. It's going to be safe there. Oh, okay. This is this is around the time where my favorite part happens. So the, there's like the air raid sirens start going off. Yeah. And this like old man is sleeping next to his wife. And so he like jumps up and he's like, that's an air raid siren. He's like, time to get my civil. What was it? It's like his civil servant outfit on yeah. or something. And he pulled out this helmet. And he's just got it like, he's just got this helmet sitting in his closet. And then he starts hearing a, a fire truck. And he's like, no, it's a fire. 
and he pulls out this fire like this fireman's helmet it's just <laughs> fucking hilarious how he's it's like so ready to go and it's so random it's my favorite scene that it's is like funny. i'm a volunteer what hat do i need to wear exactly yeah which so hat good. do i need <laughs> it's so i love good. it i love it uh, anyway oh, it's so silly but i love it yeah it's like the moment of like levity in the film yeah which honestly is kind of saying something considering this movie for the most part takes itself pretty seriously. It mm-hmm. really does. Like not in a bad way, but like yeah. it's not it's not playing this for laughs. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's funny that he's like go home. Like you'll be safe there. Will you? Will you be safe? I mean, you'll be safer than you would be out next to the blob. Well, they yeah. don't know where it is. Yeah. I know, but like about to. It's not like if you have all your doors shut and everything, like it'd be safer inside. Well, it can I see guess. through the cracks. Though. It can get in there, but like it's kind of going after whatever's closest to it, you know? Yeah, that's true. Anyway, everybody is not safe, though, especially not the people. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, they were not. <laughs> especially not the people who stayed behind at the scary movie at the theater where the blob has fixed its sights and is gonna eat the packed house. It gets the projectionist who's just like trying to do his job. And I feel yeah. so sorry for him. But it does creep and leap. So, yeah. you know, he wasn't paying attention. The mm-hmm. way that it like cascades in through the vent in the projectionist yeah. booth is so good. And it like yeah. eats it. And they're watching some like Bella Lugosi movie, which I think I also read this started like a new trend of like referencing old horror movies and movies, mm-hmm. which I thought was really fun. Is it Dracula's daughter that they're watching? It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's something like that. Well, to be fair, a lot of the reasons why you see a lot of older horror movies in movies like that are because a lot of older, older horror movies are free to use. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But (laughs) this like kickstarted that trope of using that. That's what I read. Anyway, anyway. So it eats the projectionist and then like it dissolves the film and everybody's like, hey, what's going on? And then it, like, bursts in through the cracks and it, like, goes after people. It's so cool. And anybody that's not immediately caught up by the blob stampedes out in a fright, even though most of them are laughing because they're silly extras having fun. <laughs> I honestly love the scene of everybody leaving the theater. Yeah. I was like, that is a packed theater. There yeah, so the way that it people. shots, like, well, the couple scene, the couple shots where it's, like, the cameraman's, like, on the ground. It's fun. It's like, yeah, it's really, it's really good. You get the energy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Finally, everybody is convinced that this giant jelly meatball exists. Because now it's rolling down the lane, making its public appearance. It's like, I'm here. (laughs) This is my debut. Yeah. It's the blob. (laughs) Oh my god, it's so good. And like, Sergeant Dave or Lieutenant Dave is like, it was the most horrifying thing I've ever seen when he looks in the yeah. auditorium. He comes out super calmly and he's like, yeah, man, that's just fucked up. And But he's like, he's not even like riled up or anything. He's just like, we need to take care of this. So like get the president on the line or something. I don't know who he calls. <laughs> so wild. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, this man. isn't good. <laughs> Let's go get a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While looking for somewhere safe to harbor, Steve and Jane find her dumb little brother, Danny, trying to be brave and, like, he pretends to shoot the blob with his fake gun. And then, my favorite thing, he just chucks it and runs. I could not with this kid at this point in time. (laughs) 
Like, brownie points for being brave, little man, but like. Uh, that's dumb. stupidity points. It's so like, dumb. No, I, I'm not giving you brownie points because. Honestly, when I saw that they were bringing the kid back, I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was like, her hand is like hovering over the off button on her TV. <laughs> so, also, what's really funny too is that like I had tuned out for a good chunk of this. And that's why I didn't see the scene with the hats. Because I just completely tuned out. There were a couple times where I, I noticed that I wasn't paying attention and I had to go back and like rewind. Yeah, and then I get that. The movie theater stuff started and I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm back in it. This is where it gets kind of good. And then the kid showed back up and I was like, are you serious? <laughs> like, <laughs> You just ruined a good thing. I was like, Jesus Christ. But the kid does run into the diner, which is not a bad plan. But obviously Steve and Jane have to like go chase him. And then, of course, the blob gives chase and engulfs the entire diner. Which is cool. Yeah, I, I like how you can tell that it's kind of like a miniature. I don't know what they used to shoot. It was miniature. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. it's got the little ooze all over it. It's cool, and I like how uh, from the inside of the diner you can see the like pink on the windows. It's so cool. Yeah, and they yeah. had to like do like the rotoscope animation or whatever. So like sometimes it looks really cheesy, but you're like, you did it though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it you looks fun. It. Yeah. But anyway, so they're trapped in there with these two other people who I guess, like, work there. I mean, yeah. I would assume so. They're wearing, like, diner outfits. Yeah. They're just there to, I guess, die. Because there's no <laughs> way out. <laughs> <laughs> and the police and the fire department, though, have, like, cooked up a scheme. So they're finally being useful. And they give wow. the call. <laughs> and tell also, every- also, why is the fireman's hat so large? That's how it used to be back in the day. Yeah. It's so fucking large. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess I, I guess I'm the only person who was thrown off by that. Oh, yeah. No, it's like, <laughs> they just used to be giant, I guess. They wanted people to know that's where they were. Well, working. it was like that. There's this movie. Maybe it's one of the scary movies, but there's like a, there's a scene where there's a, a woman and she's like the sheriff of the town or something. And she starts out with a normal sized hat. And then every time they cut away and cut back to her, her hat is bigger than it was before. And so that's <laughs> fun. Just wearing what movie a super is that? I think it's like Scary Movie 3 or something like that. That She's sounds like correct. A super large hat, and I felt like that. Like, they're cutting back to him, and his helmet's getting bigger. <laughs> that's funny. I need to rewatch the scary movies. <laughs> anyway, I was thrown off. So the cops call Steve in the diner and they tell everyone that they need to get in the basement within 60 seconds so they can try and electrocute the giant creature. And they wait until it's silent on the phone and then they drop a power line on it. Which is not a bad plan. Yeah, not a bad plan. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it does absolutely nothing. And then everyone's all sad again. And they're like, the blob <laughs> can't be stopped. And down in the basement, Steve and like jane and the dumb kid have like a whole moment and they're like this is the end yeah they fully think they're gonna die yeah of course but then he he's like no we're gonna go down swinging and so he grabs a fire extinguisher and he starts like shooting it with it i guess i think the owner does that because there's a fire there's a fire that caused i think by the the electricity maybe and so the owner grabs like finally finds out where the fire's coming from and he starts putting it out with the extinguisher. But Steve's the one that attacks the blob with it. Yes. Yeah. He finds out that the blobs, he sees that the blobs like inching away from it and doesn't like it. Yeah. Just like it did in the freezer. Just like it did in the freezer. 
And then he's like, oh my god. So he starts yelling because he didn't hang up the phone. Smart kid. And he's like, CO2! CO2! We need CO2 fire extinguishers! And the cops are like, okay! So they round everybody up to get as many CO2 fire extinguishers as they can. And and the cops find like five. (laughs) The cops find like five and then- the the teens find like a million. (laughs) Yeah, they like go with like a teacher or principal who's like, there's 23 in the school. And they bring them back. Okay, first of all, the principal is Jane's dad. Second of all- Did you think when he went over to pick up that rock that there was going to be like a Heideki underneath it? No. No. That was just me then. (laughs) He went to go (laughs) grab that rock and I was like, does he have a Heideki for the school? (laughs) (laughs) No, I thought he was going to break the window, which is what he did. Yeah. I really, I really thought that it was going to be a Heideki. This was like, I zoomed back in right on this moment. And then I was like, (laughs) and then I was like. Is he going to hide a key? Oh, he's going to break into the school. (laughs) The teens are like, yeah, he's being a rebel. One of the kids. Everybody comes back and they surround the diner, the blob covered diner, and they freeze it with fire extinguishers. And Dave's like on the phone with the Air Force and they agree that they're going to bring a transport plane and they'll dump it in Antarctica where hopefully it will stay frozen so long as the Arctic stays cold. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. I love that ending line because I was immediately like, ha, global warming. <laughs> I think they knew that too. I think that was a a precursor. Yeah. This is environmental horror. I think, yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel kind of bad for most of the people in this movie because they lost a lot of people. And honestly, mm-hmm. Steve's dad died. Like, that's sad too. Like, he did? He did? Steve's dad was the guy who owned the grocery store. Oh, you're right. Oh. How I like barely watched this movie. How are you guys? <laughs> Wait, are you talking about when the cop said something like the cash register was like he walked by some store and the cash register was just open and no one was there? Yeah, and then when they and then when Steve and Jane went in later, I thought he was talking about like a gas station or something. That's why Steve thinks it's weird and he says pop. He actually yeah. meant his dad. Yeah, I it's thought his he dad. was just, I thought it was like the joke. Oh, well, yeah, his dad's definitely dead. And that's oh, why shit. that's why when they're in the freezer, Jane's like, it's just going to kill our parents. Damn. Well, Yo, that sucks. Were we watching different movies? I think we were. Look. I didn't pick up on that. Thank you. I'm sorry that I didn't connect the dots. I was too busy enjoying the blob. No, I got wow. that someone, I got like what the cop was saying. I just didn't put together who it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the cop was saying it, and then they felt they follow up on it later because the kids go to the grocery store. I use kids in air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how it ends. That's the blob. And, okay, can I just say this? Yeah. I will admit that I might have rose-colored glasses this movie a little bit because what I did not say have... That? I did not have as much fun the second time that I watched it. To be really fair, I think that we might have been drinking the first time we watched this movie. Oh my god, we might have been. And I think that that kind of explains a little bit about both of our reactions. Because I was also like, wasn't this funnier the first time we watched it? It really was! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, either that or like, because... I think it was for one of our first Halloween horror-thons. And I remember Mm -hmm. that we would be watching movies so late at night. So maybe I was just also delusional. 
yeah from lack of sleep yeah that was i think this was the that was the year too where you fall asleep during like at least half of the ones we watched together i mean i'm guilty of that too if we doubled i guarantee that most of the ones that were the second pig i fell asleep during anyway we should probably wrap wrap things up yeah so i anytime i watch a, a horror film from the 50s i'm pretty much primed to think about its relation to thoughts about communism or the fear of the spread of communism Mm-hmm. So there's definitely, like, you can definitely read that into this one, how, you know, it's this big red thing that creeps and, like, it, you know, and leaves. infiltrates and, like, creeps up on people and, yeah. which is, leaves. And leaves. <laughs> yeah. And, like, so it's, like, these, uns- lots of times it's, like, these unsuspecting mm-hmm. people who, you know, it just, it happens upon and it, you know, just takes them over. But, yeah, I I specifically wrote down lines, like, the kids at one point are like, how do you get people to protect themselves from something something they don't believe in? Mm-hmm. And like, we have to find ways to make people believe us. So it was just mm-hmm. like, just little lines here or there that I'm like, oh, you know, that could definitely be seen as like yeah. part of the red scare. For sure. And also like this idea of like an alien assault on like small town Americana. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not as cut and dry as like something like Invasion of the Body Snatchers is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even I think one of the screenwriters like went on record was like, this has absolutely nothing to do with communism. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, dude, you can't divorce the movie from the era. And you the cannot. era is full of movies like this. So yeah. like. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I actually think is like really fun about like atomic age horror is that it's like you're getting this huge influx of UFO sightings and there's like fear it's about the atomic bomb like we get godzilla like right isn't mm-hmm. that from the 50s yeah yeah and like all of this stuff is like fueling horror movies and we get some really interesting stuff but the blob like feels very removed from that intentionally mm-hmm. and the way that they don't try to like pump that into it and it's just literally a blank slate like it's a amorphous being that you can just project anything onto i think is so clever mm-hmm. yeah I definitely also really like the tension between the adults and the children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like this really sets us up for where a lot of sort of like, I guess I'm going to call it B-horror, but I don't necessarily mean like every B-horror film, but like it would call where a lot of that, that is going. I think that this yeah. is a good preface of like what we see in like the slasher era. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the things that I took away this time that I didn't necessarily the first time, and maybe because we were drinking, I don't know is like a low-key anti-establishment vibe. Like, especially yeah. since the Vietnam War has started, right? Uh-huh. And, like, all of the counterculture sentiment is starting to bubble up, and it's not super hardcore against, like, police or anything, but those are their biggest obstacles. Yeah. Right? And it's very, like, the adults are are against us. And there's that, like, weird scene where there's that very clear generational tension when they go, like, Tony knocks on the door of those people that are having a party. And they just completely oh, dismiss them. Completely. I love that scene. And they're, like, trashed. Like, there's yeah. something so interesting about that. And it's, like, these people that lived through World War II just, like, can't be bothered with anything that's happening now. They mentioned that Bertie was in the war, wasn't it? Yeah. Probably. Something like that. And he, he even says, like, they have something against me because I was in the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it makes me actually, it made me think a lot about the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Continue. I'm so curious. I mm-hmm. I have seen all the Elm Street movies. Um, um, one of the really, 
I think most interesting through lines in the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is the sort of divide between adults and children. Mm -hmm. Because every Nightmare on Elm Street movie always has the same basic makings, which is like, kids know what's going on, adults Mm -hmm. know what's going on, but the adults still don't believe the kids. Like an it. Right. It's like they are, like, they're like willfully suppressing everything like they're like this isn't real you're not thinking about it clearly i'm not listening to you i'm going Mm -hmm. to force you in a situation that makes things more dangerous for you and like this movie kind of gave me that energy where it's very much so like us versus the adults Mm -hmm. right it's it's yeah it's very much and to kind of broaden that it's like authority figures versus Mm -hmm. versus the kids and those authority figures are represented by the cops so it's you know one of the lines i wrote down is when i think birdie says or Dave first says, like, oh, they're just kids or something. Something to that effect. And Birdie says, mm-hmm. every criminal in the world was a kid once. Mm-hmm. So Birdie is definitely coming from that mindset of, like, be suspicious of any kid because they could be kind of the precursor to a, a violent or a malicious adult of some yeah. of some sort. So I, I thought it was interesting to have kind of the Dave versus, I think J- Birdie's first name is Jim. I think they refer to him as Jim a few times. Mm-hmm. Like the Dave versus Birdie attitude toward the teens. Like Dave doesn't necessarily trust them from the beginning. Like he wants to see more evidence, but he doesn't dismiss them outright and say that they're just mm-hmm. shouldn't be believed because they're kids. So yeah. I thought the the contrast between the two cops was was central to the film mm-hmm. and, and really interesting to kind of analyze in that way. It definitely really smacks of that post Rebel Without a Cause film mm-hmm. era. Like, this is when we're going to start marketing movies more specifically towards teenagers. I mean, this only came out three years after Rebel Without a Cause did. Correct. So, like, there we're right there in that moment where, mm-hmm. hey, we can make more money if we start angling to get the teen audience, you know? Going to the spook shows. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to, I think, not only the anxiety of quote-unquote foreign invader coming in to decimate and terrorize a small town in America but it speaks to also the anxiety of just maybe of teens of the time not feeling Mm -hmm. like they could that they would be believed if if they told authorities that they saw something so Mm -hmm. I mean if we if we want to talk about how horror films reflect cultural anxieties at any point in time Mm -hmm. those would be two big ones that I would think about for this absolutely And it also still has that, like, very traditional, like, more conservative bench to it at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Which yeah. Which you've seen a lot of horror movies from this time period, too. So I I like this movie. I do think it's fun. I think the remake is better. But, like, to be really fair, the remake is very much some more my back. Mm-hmm. The effects in the remake are definitely better. And they're more gruesome. And it does some really cool things. So, like, I totally understand. But I'm just so charmed by this. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely I'm glad that you picked it. I think it was nice for us to go back to something older too. I think it's been a while since we yeah. watched like a an older movie. It's been so long. I'm failing. I have one job on this podcast and I'm failing at it. I feel like you assigned yourself that job and like it was unspoken. She fully did. <laughs> we have there's no pressure. There's no pressure coming from me or Natalie. Somebody Not even has a to pick bit. a black and white movie. Somebody has I mean, to I appreciate it. I appreciate that we're, I think we we need to have some sort of breadth to the films that we're watching. So I appreciate that. And I, this is just so different and fun. And yeah. I, I haven't really picked a fun movie in a while. So this is good change. I'm dead. Yeah. Well, 
Does anybody else have anything that they'd like to add about the blob? Go stream the song. That's yes. all. Add it to your Halloween playlists. I did that immediately after I watched the movie. I was like, this is going on the Halloween, the Halloween playlist. playlist. So good. It, it does creep and it does leap. Look, I'm not saying that the blob was the first one with a cool theme song, but the trend is here. And I'm a huge yes. fan. Catchy theme song. Instant fan. Heidi is here for the bops. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Okay, um, next, next month. time. It is Laura's pick. Tis. What are you picking? I am very excited for this pick. It's very recent. In fact, it came out this year. So it is a film from 2022. I hesitated to pick it because I was like, maybe it's too new. No. But it's very available on Hulu. It is Fresh. Yeah. Directed by Mimi Cave. And starring Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar-Jones. I'm so excited. I'm very excited to talk about this one. I don't want to say too much. It is body horror. So you will quickly realize why I chose this movie. It is very much my vibe. It is very much my subject matter. I love this movie. We've all three seen this already. We all three love it. So Didn't we all three watch it at the exact same time? We watched it on the same night. On accident. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I texted them. I was like, oh my god, we need to talk about Fresh. And they're like, we're watching it. And we're like, we're literally watching it right now. (laughs) We're almost done. (laughs) We've got like 30 minutes left. (laughs) So uh, this was definitely one of my most anticipated films of the year so far. It did not disappoint me. It is not everyone's cup of tea. I understand. It's not going to be. So if you're not into body horror, I mean, yeah, it's up to you if you want to watch it or not. But like, I think that if you are inclined at all to watch body horror, especially any type of feminist body horror, this is... This is my jam. So I would also urge, if you haven't heard anything about this movie yet while you're listening to this episode and you're curious about it, I would urge you to not look anything up. Yeah. I would urge you to not. I would urge you to just like go into it as blind as you can because I think that will make the experience a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But it is it is very good. It's yes. a really fun time. Yes. So I, I, yeah, I genuinely had a ton of fun. So I am super excited to talk about it and just to watch it a couple more times as well okay well that's it for us today on the blob thank you so much for listening please make sure to follow us on social media we're on instagram at slashes prefer blondes podcast um, and also to check us out on the podcasters of your choice um we would really really appreciate you guys following our podcast um leaving a review that would be a really really awesome way to get this podcast out to more people so that we can just grow our little family we're really loving everything we've been doing so far we're loving the feedback that we're getting from you guys so we really do appreciate your time and kind words like i said our next episode's going to be on fresh it'll be coming out probably next month we might sprinkle in a mini-sode or so we're thinking we have some things in the works that we're thinking about more on that to come but yeah we'll see you guys in the next episode everybody please please stay spooky Beware of the blob and creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor and through uh, or something like up <laughs> the walls <laughs> and so through <laughs> Anna <laughs> and up the walls. <laughs>